passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians here with you once again. This is it, the final positional breakdown uh, of Jamie's projection series and ranking series. There is more projection-related content next week, but this is the last positional breakdown that we are doing here on the show, and it is 35 tight ends we're getting them all in on today's show uh six tiers 35 names i think there's actually going to be a lot of conversation when i was first going through this i thought nah, i don't know how many names we're really going to talk about and in doing a deeper dive i think there are going to be a lot of interesting conversational points here because i have at least one in tier six and i know it's different than the one that jake has so tier six is going to get us off to a good start and we start with the the most difficult name I'm going to have to try to pronounce in the process of doing this. And so I'm just admitting I'm not going to do it. Albert O, tight end for Denver at 35. Dawson Knox at 34. Joel Everett, 33. Hayden Hurst, 32. Dan Arnold, 31. Chris Hearn, uh, 30. Zach Ertz, 29. Jack Doyle, 28. Hunter Henry, 27. OJ Howard, 26. And Kylan Grayson, 25. JB, you you have phrased this perfectly in your write-up for this. Uh, if this is a tier for tight ends that you're looking at, uh, you've scrolled a little too far. You, you're, you've yeah. scrolled a little too far down the list. You probably shouldn't be looking here. But I do think there are potential values here for maybe uh, late in the season, guys, or if you're in a deeper league, uh, there could be some options here. And I know Jake wants to talk about Hayden Hurst, so I'm just going to get out of the way here. I want to mention Gerald Everett, and then we'll get to Hayden Hurst. Gerald Everett's still the number one option for tight ends in Seattle, which is usually a pretty good thing, but there are a bunch of other guys there, and he's not a traditional tight end. Hayden Hurst, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a stud, but he's going to be playing receiver with a tight end designation. As far as tight ends go, Hayden Hurst is still a pro. He was a first-round pick, had a really solid year last year. If he's forgotten like this, I think he's worth putting on your bench at some point. Kyle Pitts is still going to have a learning transition going into the NFL. If they ever ask him to put his hand on the ground, it could be very interesting to see what's going on. If they're going to run the ball as much as we talked about the other day with Mike Davis, I think Hayden Hurst is still going to be an option. You're going to double-team Ridley. You're going to take your, your lumps with Pitts if that's the case. Hayden Hurst could be open. I think there could be some value there. I don't know about 32, 
But if he falls to the point where like, okay, it'd be what I'm saying is it's gonna be really interesting to watch how this offense looks early. He could be a guy to keep your eye on on benches, I think. Just a really good pro that knows what's going on while Kyle Pitts is getting his footing. Yeah, tight end is is a very weird position in the sense that you don't really you're not really afforded much room to take too many flyers because reality is you're really only playing one a week. You're you're right. almost never gonna play a tight end in a flex spot. There aren't really outside of crazy leagues or not two tight end leagues. Um, I know there are some leagues that have started to go um, to try to fix some of the imbalance at the position where they have tight ends get 1.5 PPR, um, just them, uh, where everybody, all like running backs and wide receivers only get one point for PPR, tight ends get a point and a half, to try to at least make that position catch up a little bit. But that's kind of the problem because there are some guys in this tier that from a pure football perspective, I'm very intrigued by. And I, I think I'm going to have some value, but the odds of these players finishing anywhere in the top 12, 13, 14 on any given week in a 12 team league just feels very low. Like you're just, I don't know when you're going to feel comfortable playing any of these players. So I do think I like Hayden Hurst is, could be worthy of a flyer. I am looking at Gerald Everett a little bit, although I do think Will Disley might be more involved than people think uh, in that offense as well. Uh, you know, I, I look at some of the guys like Dan Arnold who could have a, there's, there's room for a top pass catching tight end in Carolina. And he's somebody that has been a big red zone threat uh, in his time in Arizona. If they don't uh, ask him to put his hand on the ground. Correct. Well, and they shouldn't like because he yeah. can't. Right. I mean, that's not his game for him. You're looking, you're hoping to get a touchdown. Like that's what you're hunting for. If you put play Dan Arnold on a given week, now, I do think one guy in this tier, Jamie, that's really interesting. Doesn't have yeah. a home. Well, I guess he does at the moment, but he ain't going to stay there. Zach Ertz, if this rumor to Indy is true, you're going to have to bring Doyle down and move Hurts up. But that could be yeah. really interesting with the relationship he has with Carson Wentz. That one's really intriguing. But I think there's going to be a ton of value on him. We talked about him for like the top four for the last, what, five, six years? Yeah. Look, he's clearly lost a step. But he's going to go up if and when he gets traded. Um, I obviously have to do my projections as if he's not at the moment. Yeah. Um, and last year with Jalen Hurts and, da and Dallas Goddard both in the lineup together, Hurts' target share dropped to about 14%. Now, that's going to change if he goes to Indianapolis or if he goes somewhere else. He'll, he'll jump up a little bit. Um, he'll jump up into the more, you know, closer into the into, – he's 29 for me right now. He'll jump higher uh, probably into the top 20 if and when he gets moved. But until he does, this is kind of the spot for him. And I don't think he's going to move into like tight end one territory or anything. But he is worth a flyer down here pretty late as well. I mean, Chris Herndon could be as well. We'll see how uh, Zach Wilson – He's got a lot, some other weapons there, but how will he use the tight end position? Uh, Chris is shaking his head. Don't make Chris Herndon a thing. I tried to do I'm it for not, the last Chris, couple of years. Is, Chris, he is tight end 30. Uh, that's fine. You're asking me to talk about my 30th ranked tight ends right now, Chris. These guys are not starting. He is for, the tight end there is what Jamie's saying. Yeah, The quarterback like, has never played with an actual tight end, he, so it's going to be really interesting to see what that looks like. You are correct. He will be lining up a tight end for the New York Jets. That's about the extent of what he's going to do for the Jets. He's this tight season. end thirty, Chris. You got to help me out here. Like can these we talk players about, are not playing for most fantasy teams this year. Can we can we talk about tight end twenty seven? Yes, I was Cause, about because that's the one I want to talk about. It's a lot yeah. of better for Jamie to have him projected. So I mean that you talking about overpaying these dudes. So so Jamie, I'm in no way am I. Normally there are players that I will battle with you on. I'm not going to battle with you on Hunter Henry. 
But I do think people are going to open this list up and see Hunter Henry, who signed a big contract in New England, is going to be a focal point of what they do offensively because they gave him big bucks. And you have decided that he is in the tier six. Don't scroll down this far tier. So I just feel like there are going to be people that are going to ask you about this. And they should because I'm quite frankly offended by where I have him. But here's the problem. I looked at and I I took out the Patriots offense from last year because if we based – too many things on what they did last year. Nobody's fantasy relevant. That was that offense was abhorrent for the most part. But I went back from a three-year stretch with 2016 to 2018 with the McDaniels-Belichick offense and looked at what they were doing with their top two tight ends during that time, which included Gronkowski, uh, included like Martellus Bennett in that period of time. There was another one as well. So I tried to see back when they had Tom Brady at quarterback, so more, more competent quarterback play to say the least. Uh, They had a top tight end, and they were using multiple tight end sets. What did it look like? At that time, they were all those top two Patriots tight ends were averaging only about 6.65 targets per game together, not each together. So if they go back to the run this offense in a similar fashion, and maybe we'll add a little bit more. Let's say this can be closer to eight targets per game. You're still splitting that between Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Like if they're both going to use them in a similar fashion. And Hunter Henry, by the way, you're not going to get a full season out of. You almost never do. So I have him projected to miss a handful of games, four, and I have him playing 13 here. So you have two guys that are probably going to split. Even if we pretended they both played 17 games, you have two guys that are going to split 130, 140 targets. Like, and they're not exactly going to be the highest quality targets given the way that offense has operated lately. I just don't see how, you know, on a weekly basis, could these guys during bye weeks float up into playable territory? Sure, absolutely they could. But over the season-long basis, particularly with Hunter Henry's extended injury history, I'm not so sure that either one of them are going to be fantasy relevant, which really hurts. Because uh, if only one of them were there, I they would be a lot higher. Both of these guys, I know we'll talk about John Smith in a second, would be higher on this list. But the second they brought them both there, they kind of just eat each other's value on an offense that isn't all that valuable to begin with. Yeah, the only other name I want to mention quickly, and it's not definitely not a play for a long term, but if the if the Buccaneers have some injuries with all the weapons they have at receiver, OJ Howard was really coming into his own last year when he blew the Achilles, who apparently looks fantastic, but was really kind of learning to play outside or standing up on the other side of Gronk. So if they if Mike Evans gets hurt, or even Chris Godwin, they can let him play almost in motion, more H back receiver. That's a matchup nightmare. Could be really worth looking at for a couple weeks. Because if that's the case, he's going to be a monster target in an offense that's going to put up a ton of points. So it's not a long-term thing, but that's something to pay attention to if they do have some injuries. Jamie, is there anybody else that you personally want to touch on on this tier? Do you want to go on the Kylan Grayson tour and just discuss him or no? Yeah, well, I mean, I would like to discuss his name being Kylan Granson, but yes. yes. Oh, sorry, Granson. Uh, my apologies Granson. to Kylan. Uh, no, sorry. That, that, that's my more galaxy uh, brain. If, if Zach Ertz does not end up in Indianapolis, uh, I think – you know, Granson as a kind of a big play threat at that tight end position, someone that apparently is uh, the Colts coaching staff likes a lot and could see some work early alongside with Jack Doyle. And I do think they're going to use multiple tight ends with Carson Wentz there. So it, it's more of a like galaxy brain moment of I think he, him with his skill set could be an interesting big play threat. But again, we're again, we're talking outside the top, you know, 24 tight ends or whatever. So we're taking flyers at that point for him. But that will change significantly if Zach Ertz ends up in Indianapolis. It's five names inside of Tier 5 at 24. It's Jordan Akins, Cole Komet at 23, Janu Smith at 22, Anthony Ferkser at 21, and Adam, Adam Trotman at 20. 
Lots of interesting candidates here. I don't necessarily think we need to touch completely on John o. Smith. We kind of just had the New England uh, t- fantasy tight end conversation. Uh, Jamie, Anthony Ferkser down here at 21. He is kind of been handed this role because John o. Smith isn't there, but you still have him down here at 21. Yeah, there's still it's still a fairly crowded tight end room. Not a good tight end room, but a fairly crowded tight end room. And look, there's gonna, this is a low-volume offense, high-efficiency offense, and a lot of those work is going to go to, as it did before, uh, the top two receivers on that team. I still think Ferkshire on a weekly basis, on a matchup base, as we start to get into these projections here where these players are above seven points per game, these guys are going to float up into the top 15 for certain weeks. So now we're starting to get into players that you might want to start to roll out there. Uh, you know, I think he can be a 70, 75 target guy for them, but he's not he's not John U. Smith, but he can still have some success. Uh, I do want to talk about, you know, one of these guys, and it's a name that probably goes who for a lot of people, and that's Jordan Akins. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, as long as he's the starter there, loves to throw to tight ends. And if you remember, let's go back in the way back machine and remember, I'm going to pull out a name that we haven't talked about in a long time. And I think he actually tried out, he's trying to come back into the league, Charles Clay. If you remember him from his time in Buffalo, uh, he was he very fantasy relevant. Good. Yeah, but he was very fantasy relevant, at least uh, when because he got the target share when Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback. So, um, you know, if you look at when Ty- Taylor was a starter in Buffalo, he basically paid a 20 percent target share to tight ends. And now we don't have an exact clear picture of how the exact tight end room is in Houston's going to look like, but that's a team that's going to have to throw plenty. And you have a quarterback that likes to throw to tight ends. He's someone that just at least should be on your radar. I'm not saying you necessarily drafted him at this point, but he is on your radar. Um, and then I guess the other name would be Adam Trotman, who seems to be the fantasy sleeper darling of the, of the community at the moment. I, I have not found a fantasy analyst yet that does not have Adam Trotman as their sleeper candidate tight end. Uh, I'm intrigued but I just I don't think this Saints offense is going to look anything like we have seen it in recent years, uh, and I'm just I don't know I, I if you again we're in, still in kind of flyer territory and in guys that are going to move up into starting caliber positions during bye weeks, but I don't know I, I'm not I'm not ready to say Adam Trotman is going to be a 70 80 plus target guy in this offense. So Trotman's interesting. I think we all loved him coming out of college, so we're expecting to see those flashes. Don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be, so I agree with you there. Cole Komet's interesting. Depending on who the quarterback is in Chicago, apparently he looks fantastic in OTAs and minicamp. Uh, depending on, regardless who the quarterback was, we know the talent there coming out of Notre Dame. So that one's interesting to pay attention to as well. First, Kurt, first, I like, but you're not getting the John U. Smith run after the catch. So you're only getting whatever the possession target is there. Uh, but it's, I agree with you. I think the volume is still going to be – I hate the John U. Smith took the money. And then they signed Hunter, Hunter Henry to go to an offense where he's not going to be able to be that guy anymore. And the guy behind him, we have ranked higher here who can't really do anything he was doing. I just sometimes taking the money kind of sucks for your production. This next tier tier four is fun is the way I'm going to describe it. Evan Ingram at 19, Jared Cook at 18, Eric Ebron at 17, Robert Tunyon at 16, Rob Gronkowski at 15, Blake Jarwin at 14, Austin Hooper at 13, Dallas Goddard 12, Irv Smith Jr. 11, Logan Thomas 10, I think I think we could just line up different fan bases for them to be mad at Jamie of where they have uh, their you know their favorite tight end ranked. Uh, Evan Ingram at 19 is probably an interesting discussion point. Robert Tanyan at 16 is probably an interesting discussion point. Logan Thomas tight end 10. You love to see it. So l- let's go in order there, Chris, because I understand. Look, Evan Ingram's ranked low. I, I get it, 
but he's actually one of the more inefficient tight ends at the position in terms of fantasy production, actually in terms of real life production. If you watch the ball, you know, fly off his hands into opposing defenders hands last year, if you were a Giants fan, the issue with Evan Ingram for me is going to be, you bring in Kenny Galladay, you bring in Kadarius, Tony Saquon Barkley's coming back. The targets have to get redistributed somewhere. And we saw Evan Ingram last year, soak up a, a target share north of 21%. I cannot see that happening again this year if those Giants' weapons are, are healthy. So to me, just given his inefficiency where he's only a 60% catch guy, his catch rate with Daniel Jones, he's under 6.5 yards per target. Like He's not a high touchdown volume guy since Daniel Jones took over. So all of those things you put together there, if he loses significant target share, when I have him closer to about 16%, then 21% because, again, you're going to be throwing more to your running backs, presumably with Saquon being back. You're going to have to find target volume for Kenny Galladay as well. And it's not all just going to come from, you know, Darius Slayton. Shepard's going to get his stuff. So I think it's Evan Ingram that's the big loser in that target share volume. So that's why he's there. For Robert, Robert Tunyon, it's, it's simply about touchdown regression. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no if, ands, or buts about it, Chris. And, uh, you know... I want, I want to ask you, I want to ask you guys both this question because I, I did this, found this information in my research and I thought it was just incredibly intriguing to me. What do you think Robert Tunyon's touchdown rate was last year? Like his touchdowns per target. Oh God. Closer to, <laughs> closer to nine, 10%. Something, something insane. Cause I something had him. If he didn't have a touchdown, he had no points. So what if I told you the three-year average, so I went to look back at the three-year average touchdown percentage of the top 10 tight ends. So the top 10 finishers in touchdown percentage of the last three years, the average was 6.8%. Now venture a guess on where Robert Tunyon landed. I'm still going to go 9 or 10, but I'm guessing it's higher than that. 18.64%. <laughs> okay. 18.64% was his touchdown rate last year. Not happening again. I'm sorry. It just, it's not. It comes down to nine or 10. That's cutting it in half. And that's still 3% over the average. Yes. It, it's not happening again. He's not scoring 11 touchdowns again. Be happy if you get five or six. So that's my big concern here is that the rest of his numbers, the rest of his stuff, isn't anything that exciting. It's that he caught 11 touchdowns last year uh, on just on a minuscule amount of targets for that sort of production. I, I just, I don't, even with Aaron Rodgers coming back, if, and when he does, I know that that's, that stuff's still out in the air. That's a big reason why he's down there. And look, Logan Thomas proved, as, as the last name that you mentioned, Chris, that he can handle a, a big workload. And I think he can be a guy that is still touching around 100 targets, you know, as the number three, maybe number two pass catching option there. He probably, he might out target, you know, him and Curtis Samuel target wise will be close just because of the way they're going to use both those guys. But, uh, you know, he's still going to get a ton of targets. He's going to be very successful like he was last year. I don't think he's going to be quite as good as he was last year, but. Uh, I'm really excited that he can kind of emerge inside this back part of tight end one territory. Eric Ebron's worth talking about. If he doesn't have the drops that he had last year, he has a monster year. I know Ben still loves him. It just depends on how much are they really going to run the ball and does this new Steeler offense look different? I don't think so. I think he has a pretty big year. I think he's worth looking at. Uh, Gronk's interesting. They have so many mouths to feed. We've talked about that a bunch, but I like where you have him there. There's some value. Austin Hooper's the guy I want to talk about who really came on when he had COVID, had an infected tooth, he had like a couple of weird things that went on. He was missing some time. When he got healthy and got back, looked like he had some chemistry in that offense, kind of was the go-to guy. A bunch of targets. 
and he's a little bit of a run after the catch guy. I think he probably has some touchdown progression. I, I think he could have a monster year. I think he could be a couple spots higher than this to finish the year based off the way he looked like he ended it to me in the, in the chemistry he had with Mayfield. Yeah, I think he's actually the forgotten man a little bit. And I think if I look back at what the Browns offense operated, particularly outside of those crazy weather games that they had that three-game stretch in the middle of the year, when Hooper was healthy in those normal weather games, he got nearly an 18% target share. And this last and with Baker Mayfield has a nearly 6.4% touchdown rate with him. Like Baker throws a stupid amount of his touchdowns to tight ends. It, it is it's a really fun number to kind of look up. I think Austin Hooper has kind of gotten forgot about. There was a lot of hype last year. There were some, as Jake pointed out, some various circumstances that that hindered his value. They had that huge weather stretch in the middle of the season that really basically depressed every pass catcher's value for the Browns. And people kind of forgotten that in the context. And this is why it's important to pay attention to these things year over year. Like, yes, the Cleveland's still going to have some bad weather games, but are they going to have three in a row where they basically sap everybody's value? I doubt it. Uh, he's somebody I'm very much keeping an eye on because I think he's going to be very relevant this year and everybody's kind of off the Austin Hooper train. That's why I love your tiers, Jamie, because if you're talking about a draft, right, and you have the top couple, and if they fall to like round four, okay, I'll snatch one up. And then you get that second bunch. And if they fall to like round seven or eight, I might snatch one there. This is a guy that if I'm, my draft is going like I think it is, and there's some tight ends that are sliding, and you're talking about late, like grabbing Austin Hooper like 12th, but you could load up on some other stuff earlier. I think he, you're going to be fine playing him week to week if that's your tight end for the year, especially if you're getting that kind of round, late round value on him. That's a guy I'm definitely going to target and circle in every draft. Like, okay, how much does, does he fall? Unless, like I said, one of those top guys falls a couple rounds and you're just getting better value there. Four names in tier three, Tyler Higby at nine, Mike Jacecki at eight, Noah Fant at seven, TJ Hawkinson at six. And I think we can spend a little bit of time talking about each one of these guys. Uh, Jamie, Tyler Higby at nine. People might think this is a, a little low considering the quarterback upgrade that is happening there uh, in L.A. with Matthew Stafford. I mean, I think this is about right. Um, yeah, look, Tyler, Tyler Higby outside of four games hasn't shown us jack. Like, I mean, I, 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 this is a lot of projection, I think, on my end on assuming that Matthew Stafford's going to take his penchant for throwing the tight ends, and I, as he did with TJ Hawkinson over the last couple of years, and bring it to L.A. with him to throw it to uh, Tyler Higby in this case. So, uh, look, I think he's going to be a 100-target guy because there's going to be some volume there for him. He's going to get looks as basically the number three pass catcher on this team behind Woods and Cup. But I think this is asking a lot of Tyler Higby to be a player over the full season that we just quite haven't seen yet. Do I think he can be that? Yeah, I do think he can be that, but we haven't seen it. Gerald Everett not being there helps. They don't have that that clear number two option there to take some some work away from him. I still think he can be a 70-catch guy, flirt with 800 yards, maybe get you a handful of touchdowns there. But I, I don't think his upside is significantly higher than this. Maybe it's a couple spots. Maybe you could say he's you know he has the upside to be a number seven tight end on the thing. But I still think we're asking a lot, and people are assuming a lot based on a four-game stretch two seasons ago. The next guy is really interesting, James. I, this is like one of my stayaways. I'm not taking the bait. Like, I loved Jasicki last year, but you just drafted Jalen Waddle, and Jasicki was playing in the slot. Flores told you he was going to play in the slot. He wasn't going to play tight end. You now have a pretty loaded wide receiver room. I don't know that if they ask him to play tight end and put his hand in the dirt, he's not going to be the same guy he was last year. I think there's still some value there until Waddle really comes on. But if Waddle's going to play in the slot, and that's why they drafted him to do that, and now you got Tua playing the full year, not Fitz. Like this is one I don't think I'm taking the bait. I'm definitely not taking him this high. I don't. I don't know that I want any part of that. I think that's a guy that could seriously let you down. What do you think? 
it's possible. Uh, I still think he's going to get used in, in a more similar role than we've seen before uh, that we saw with him last year. And he was he kind of came on a little bit with Tua late. He started to get a little bit more chemistry than some of the other weapons did late down the field. I still think he can be a guy that is around over a 17-game season around that 100-target mark. But, yeah, that is the question. Like, Do you think that it, as Jalen Waddle starts to come on, does Mike Giusecki start to lose the role that he was playing last year? Do they get more creative with Jalen Waddle? Uh, it is interesting. Um, I've, I'm willing to take a shot on this just based on the way I thought he finished last season with Tua. But I, I get the concern at this point. But I think this is kind of the interesting stretch here where, you know, the two guys above them, I feel better. Obviously, that's why they're ranked above them. Uh, but I do think the upside of the Giuseppe or Higby are still higher than some of the other guys we just discussed in the last yeah, year. I will say it's kind of the same OJ Howard argument, though. If you do have a Fuller or Parker injury and Waddle then moves outside, and he could still play in the slot. Now I really still I love the value because he did start getting some chemistry. He has some unbelievable catches with Tua. Maybe Tua can be a little more accurate with, with where the ball is going. If that's the case, then you have the same O.J. Howard argument that I really would pay attention to this. I just don't know that I'm going to draft him where you're going to have to draft him where you have him listed here. Uh, anything else in Tier 3 before we get to Tier 2? My only thing is that I think the more I think about this, the more I want to put Hawkinson up in Tier 2. What? Well, you can't do that you. live on the show. You're well, committed. Maybe I will. The, the story's it's right his, in front it's of me. His rankings, yeah, you can. No, I can't do it. I will not allow it. Uh, okay, so TJ Hawkinson, I will move up here. He is the the third name in tier two, uh, joining Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews. And Jamie, this is a conversation that we've had plenty of times, but I guess we can have it again. Kyle Pitts is a top five tight end in your mind, and you think the race for tight end four is very wide open and that Kyle Pitts could very easily unseat Mark Andrews there at tight end four. Yeah, so here, here's my logic behind the Kyle Pitts ranking here. I looked at the way tight ends were targeted in Arthur Smith's offense the last couple of years in Tennessee. They got about a 27% target share with the top tight end getting 60% of that. Um, so I'm thinking a slight boost for Kyle Pitts because I think he's going to get a little bit. I think he is a, quite frankly, he's a better player uh, than Jonu Smith and Delaney Walker. Only, and that's the only argument there is those were actual tight ends. Is he going to be an actual tight end playing with his hand on the ground? Jonu Smith had his hand on the ground all the time. That, that's that, that's like fair. The only argument to that is are they going to play him there or are they going to move him around and split him out? I, I think a little bit of both. Like I, I, I think they're going to they're going to have to play him at some as a as a tight end, like they're, yeah. they're not going to just be able to move him just as he's not going to, I don't think he's going to play exclusive slot. Um, so no, I think we'll it's going to be more like a, a Kelsey where he's technically on the end of the line, but standing but, up yeah. two point stance and he ain't blocking anybody, but I, yes. either way, I agree with your numbers. I think he's going to have a monster year. So I think he's going to be around that 18, 19% target share, which would put him again, if he stays healthy over the course of the season, a little bit over a hundred targets. And even just looking at him hitting, you know, like the median numbers uh, are just above the median numbers for these for rookie tight ends with 50 plus targets. You know, he can be a guy that's flirting with 75 catches, you know, maybe eight, 900 yards, seven touchdowns in this offense, which at this position is really darn good. And that puts him at a dozen fantasy points per game, actually ever so slightly over that mark, which would put him clearly inside of that top five or six category there. I, I love his talent. I think it's weird to me because I, I think, the Julio Jones trade has kind of sent people into overdrive with him where we start talking about thousand yard seasons and 10 touchdown seasons. And I think that's asking a whole lot, uh, but I do think he can I mean, my projections put him at, you know, 75 catches, 867 yards and seven touchdowns. And I think that by the way is a hell of a season for a rookie tight end. Like that is a remarkable year. Uh, I think anything more than that, you're asking a whole lot. Like, is it possible? I guess. 
But there's also a Falcons team that you have to keep in mind that's not going to throw the ball quite as much as they did the last three or four years. Uh, this is a team, you know, that's going to come down from that 40 plus pass attempts per game. Not they're not going to drop down to where Tennessee was by any means, because quite frankly, their defense is not good enough to allow them to do that. But I don't think they're going to quite be the team that they were the last few years. So I, I don't see him getting to that thousand yard mark. I don't see him getting the double digit touchdowns, but I do think he's going to have tremendous opportunity to have a lot of fantasy success. We have done a lot of these rankings and, and projections breakdowns. There has never been a tier that I feel more confident in that there's really not a whole lot of discussion about the three players and the order in which they are in than the way the top three tight ends shake out in tier one. We've had debates about quarterback one with Lamar Jackson. We've had debates about running back one, all the wide receiver conversations we've had, but it's pretty simple. Travis Kelsey one, George Kittle two, Darren Waller three. And I really don't think like you could maybe try to convince me that Darren Waller's tight end two, but I don't know. These guys are all just, they're the top tier of tight end. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, I don't think there's any reason to dispute these top three. Um, if you want to put Waller over Kittle because of Kittle's injury history, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I think you're going to get more on a per game basis from George Kittle when he plays. Uh, and I think there's just going to be an upgrade of quarterback this year, whether it's a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo or it's Trey Lance, it's going to be an upgrade over Beathard and Nick Mullins and some of the other pieces that were thrown in the ball last year. And even if, like I said, even if that's just Jimmy Garoppolo for 17 games or for the majority of the season, that's been really, really good for George Kittle. So I, I don't have any concerns on that front. The only concern is going to be is the, you know, he has a fairly extended injury history and you probably have to, fa I factored in three missed games here. I think that's fair, but you know, you're going to miss a couple where Waller and Kelsey have been more iron men in their opportunities these last couple of seasons. But those are the clear top three for me. All these guys are going to be absolute stars. I have all three of these guys projected to go north of 1200 yards this year. You can't go wrong with either one of them. And I, I think the only discussion here is how high you're going to take these guys in their just in your draft by round. So right now, uh, I have Travis Kelsey as a first round player that I would take in the first round. Uh, I have George Kittle as a borderline second, third round player and Darren Waller as a just inside the third round player. So I think that would be the only part of debating of where you feel comfortable taking them in the overall scheme of your fantasy draft. There's two guys we skipped. First one's no offense. I think if Teddy Bridgewater's the quarterback, Teddy's going to take what the defense gives you, which means if you're going to scheme something up to get open, which means a matchup nightmare, like no offense, healthy, right? Healthy with air quotes mm -hmm. here. He could have a monster season. I love where you have him. You have him having a monster season, but I think he could be, pushing these top five guys, if that's the case. With Drew Locke, it's going to be hit or miss every week because you don't know how good he's going to play. The other one's Mark Andrews, which is really interesting to me because they keep adding weapons. They keep talking about Lamar's going to throw it outside more. And then you watch some of this, and this is not looking pretty with the ball coming out of his hands. It was a couple of months ago we saw an ugly throw, and it was always oh, real witty that day. Now we saw a real pretty day. I don't know if you guys are watching this stuff the last couple of days. It's ugly. The ball is worse than Peyton Manning wobbling because it has a lot more velocity behind it. It doesn't look that good. And now you're talking about maybe they're going to trade for another receiver before the season starts. How much of this affects Mark Andrews, Jamie, or is it all red zone and he's still a touchdown monster and they have that chemistry? To me, it, it's still about all of that, what you just said, the, the red zone stuff, the chemistry that they have. Look, they could bring in another receiver, but I don't think they're bringing in a star. And again, I think, I think Sammy Watkins helps what they're trying to do. Uh, I think Rashad Bateman and Tyler Wallace help what they're trying to do, but I don't think any of those players are going to fundamentally change their offensive structure in year one. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. 
you know, Mark Andrews had a really high volume of target share, and I still think he's going to have that. He was around the last two years just under 25%. I think he can be around that mark. Um, you know, he catches two-thirds of the passes that Lamar throws to him, and more importantly, he's got a stupid high touchdown rate. Like, his touchdown rate is extremely high because that is the game when they get in close. If they're not going to hand it to J.K. Dobbins and, and Lamar's not running it in, Mark Andrews is the guy that they look for and is pretty much still going to be that guy that they look for when they get inside the red zone. So I still think he's a guy that has outside of those top three players. Um, I mean, there's, I wouldn't be shocked if Mark Andrews leads, you know, leads the tight ends and touchdowns. I think it's very possible uh, just because of the way that he gets used on that team. I think he is a, he has a clear path of double digit touchdowns. You know, if I had to wager on it, obviously I would pick Kelsey, but I think there's a good chance that Andrews is right there at number two with that with those opportunities there. So I'm not incredibly worried about it. And I also think there's some more questions. If I still, at the end of the day, have to take a chance on one of these guys in this tier, it's going to be Mark Andrews because I know how he's going to be used in the offense. I know the chemistry with the quarterback and he's not a rookie coming in uh, where Hawkinson's got a new quarterback and got a downgrade at quarterback. Kyle Pitts is a rookie that's coming in and we don't really know how he's going to fully be used yet. We can only project. I know how Mark Andrews has been used, and I really don't think his role is going to change all that much because I don't think they're bringing in a superstar. They didn't bring in Julio. They didn't, they're not going to bring in somebody that is going to fundamentally change the way they operate. At this point, Michael obviously. Thomas being floated around out there and stuff like that. Really, I just want to clear it up because I agree yeah. with you wholeheartedly. But you're starting to hear this stuff about how much they wanted to change and put in the offense last year to progress, but COVID didn't allow it. When you still had the same coordinator, same personnel, I don't know why you couldn't throughout the season. That kind of boggles my mind that you're hearing about yeah. They wanted to put in but couldn't, but now they've had time, and all of it relies on him throwing outside the numbers, which says if you're hearing all that, Mark Andrews' role changes. I don't think they get to that. I think at the end of the day, they're going to run it like they've run it. They might try to throw it here and there or something. They have some guys. Now the big guy is they can move Hollywood Brown around. He doesn't have yep. the guy to take the top off, but that doesn't change what Mark Andrews does. I wanted to get you to say I knew, I knew exactly where you were going with that, with that lead up, but I thought it was worth clearing up because you're hearing oh, yeah. a bunch of weird stuff, and now you've seen like – a potential Michael Thomas trade that they're going to give up to go. I don't know why they would do that. It makes no sense in the world to go get a guy like that. But you're hearing a bunch of crap coming out of Baltimore. Like it's worth clearing up because he's a solid, solid guy. And he's the fourth guy for a reason. That's it. Tight ends done. And that means all of the projections, at least the positional breakdowns are done. Uh, we have the sleepers and busts episode next week. And then your oh, question. You, Chris, is that a yawn? It's not a yawn. You just felt like there was a yawn there, Chris. No, felt no like yawn at all. No, no, no. no. Instead, no, is our no. tight end conversation? Are we boring you, Chris? No, no. I just as a maybe Jets I, fan, maybe, you're not used to talking about quality tight ends. I, so listen, I made my space. I made my point very clear. Don't draft uh, Chris Herndon or, or expect him to do anything for you uh, this season of fantasy. So I made myself very clear. But no, sleepers and bust episode next week, and, and then uh, the Q and A show next week as well to close up uh, this projection series. Uh, Jamie. Please tell everybody uh, where they can find all of this contact uh, content, what they could maybe uh, expect the rest of the week when it comes to TDN fantasy content. Follow me on Twitter at Jamie Eisner on Instagram at Jamie Eisner TDN and keep an eye out for Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific live top 200 reveal show to him in Hawaii. Schubert. Yeah, 2 p.m. Hawaii. Uh, with Chris Schubert, myself, TDN fantasy intern Zach Cohen, who'll have some commentary as well. We will break down my entire top 200 from 200 to number one. Uh, we will also answer four very pressing questions, a pressing question at each position. Uh, you don't want to miss it because it's basically the great companion piece 
to this series of podcasts that we've been doing. We've talked to you about how everybody is ranked interpositionally. But more importantly, you don't draft by position. You draft overall. So this will be a really good project. And by the way, kickers and defenses will be included inside 200. I know we have not talked about them yet. We will talk about them at some point in the offseason. Kickers are people too. Defenses are, I guess, groups of people too. Uh, we will talk about them later on on Sunday. So please join us on the draft at the Draft Network on Twitter. You can view it there. You can view it on the Draft Network's YouTube page. I also believe you can view it on the Draft Network's Facebook page for those of you that are still using Facebook. So uh, all those platforms, uh, I believe our audience demographics are different than what Facebook's demographics are. But if you would like to view it on Facebook, on Twitter, or on YouTube, make sure you check out the Draft Network. Subscribe and again, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Hawaii. Uh, I think like 9:30 in Nova p.m. in Nova okay. Scotia. All uh, right, whatever it might be, that join us then as the final companion piece to the series of podcasts. Uh, Jake, well, enough, Chris. Jake, while I, Jake, while I check the time, today, Chris, will you allow me to eat food now that I've now I've now shilled this? Yes, go ahead, go with uh, you, Chris. Jake, tell everyone your social media accounts while I try to find what the current time in Nova Scotia is. Uh, that would be Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Arians NFL on Instagram. And if you're watching it in Hawaii, you have serious problems. Maybe it's raining like a mother. This should be an exciting show, and it's going to be awesome. But if you have this to do while you're in Hawaii, I feel sorry for you. Also, it might be Newfoundland that's got the one and a half hours past the East Coast time. Chris, can you can you can you confirm? I can confirm I that it's Nova not- Scotia would still be East Coast time, and I think I yeah. can confirm that it's not it's not Nova I think Scotia. It's Newfoundland. Then it is Newfoundland. It is Newfoundland okay. that you were trying to. It's okay though. You you, you attempted to, to eh, make whatever a good, good joke at the end, but uh, didn't didn't all didn't necessarily work. But yeah, Sunday uh, should be a lot of fun. The top two hundred breakdown, so you can see where all of these guys, uh, these players, all go together and how they look on one uh, big board. So stay tuned for that. Uh, on Sunday. And again, all of the content, all of these rankings, all of these projections, the actual numbers and a bunch of stories over at the draftnetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN fantasy. That's where you're going to want to ask all your questions for the Q and a show next Wednesday. Everybody have a great rest of your week and weekend. We'll talk to you on Sunday. If not, we'll see you on Monday. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.